Welcome to the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. And now your host, Sonia Esther-Soltani. Hi, welcome to the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. I'm your host today. I'm Sonia Esther-Soltani. I'm the Editor-in-Chief at Rappaport. Um, looking after Rappaport Magazine and the Jewelry Connoisseur blog. And today I have Guy Burton from Hancock's London. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Guy. Morning. Hi. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So before we start, we, um, I'm just going to tell our listeners, today we want to explore one, I think you'll, you'll tell me, but I think one of the most popular areas in estate jewelry, which is Art Deco. Roaring Twenties, we're back in the Roaring Twenties, and uh, but back to 1920s, there's uh, this style, the sleek, streamlined, um, monochromatic uh, style became uh, extremely popular, so I would like us to, to discuss that. But before going into it, uh, can you tell us a bit more about uh, you and your career at Hancock's and what Hancock's London offers to its clients? Sure. As I said, my name's Guy, and I'm a director at Hancock's in London. Uh, Hancock's is a family-run jewellers, and we've been. Hancock's was established in 1849 uh, on the corner of Bond Street and Bruton Street. And uh, although it's not still the Hancock's family, it's now the Burton family. It's it's still run and managed in the same way as it was back then. So what we deal with mostly today, um, and it's very similar to to what Charles Hancock did back in 1849 is specialising in, in the really, really beautiful, finely made jewellery. Um, a lot of which what we do today is their contemporary and our antique, of course. And, and one of my specialties and my focus is dealing with old cut diamonds and gems. And again, a lot of those would have been modern to, to Charles Hancock back in 1849 as well, of course. So the business itself is two-sided. There's, there's the, the sale of Art Deco, Art Nouveau, Antique Victorian, Edwardian jewellery, both signed and unsigned, but the very finest pieces that we can get our hands on. And then the other side of the business, which is specialised in antique and all-cut diamonds and gems, and making new jewellery from those as one-of-a-kind pieces, which is more my focus. And this is made mostly the engagement ring market, but, but not limited to just that. So talking about... Um... Cuts, diamond cuts. Can you tell me a bit more about the diamond cuts that were popular during from the 1920s to, um, I would say, it would have been the Second World War, the eve of the Second World War that Art Deco had this peak. So can you tell us a bit more about that? I mean, that almost needs its own podcast, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing subject. And, and my favourite, the, the step cuts as a, as a general uh, Area from the 1920s, 30s um, up to the Second World War, are, you know, that's the absolute pinnacle, the peak time for these beautiful, beautiful ashes and carry cuts um, and lovely emerald cuts. And they've got their beautiful big cut corners. And this movement obviously was <clears throat> completely driven by, um, by the Art Deco movement. So sort of you've, you've got the, inf- uh, the influence of the Cubist movement that came into the Art Deco movement. And with that, you get this beautiful geometry, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more later on. And that that developed these amazing these amazing cuts with beautiful almost terrace like faceting, drawing your eye towards the centre of the stone in a beautifully proportioned Asher cut. Really lovely big cut corners. So quite often the Asher cut diamonds are almost completely octagonal. Something you very rarely see in in a modern cut uh, Asher these days, due to obvious obvious commercial effects on value for for sort of shaving off weight like that of a diamond. 
Um, so, so this is definitely this is my my sort of favourite area of um, vintage cut diamonds. They uh, they they've got a beautiful elegance to them. They and sort of against the, the sort of the grain of what a lot of people would would believe, the a, a very well cut old step cut will have a huge amount of life, and it can rival a brilliant cut every day of the week if it's been cut by uh, by a masterful hand. Is it um, and uh, actually that was driven by, as you said, uh, the cubist movement and the, the lines were different. But house, um, can you tell us a bit more about how the cuts fits the general geometric um, vision of, of designers in his in his days? Yeah, sure. So so before that, you have, um, I mean, obviously you have the sort of table cuts originally, you know, hundreds of years ago. But um, but prior to this, the popular diamond cuts were the the old mine cushion cuts, nice, soft, rounded edges. And then towards the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, when bruting developed, you um, obviously have the, the old European brilliant, the, the you know, the, you had to get lovely round symmetry, very curved shapes, which just happened to suit the, uh, the Art Nouveau trends and, and, the Victor- and what the Victorians were making in jewellery. So having something that had lovely straight lines, very geometric, sharp edges and the faceting is crisp and, and sharp as well and geometric like this was very it was very very new now in the art deco movement they use this a lot to contrast you have brilliant cuts contrasting with uh, the ge- geometric shapes of ashes as well so so really highlighted uh, highlighted these shapes and, it, and you see and obviously these are all traits that you see throughout the movement not just limited to diamond cuts and jewelry but in architecture of course and, and all other parts of uh, all other industries of the Art Deco movement. And do you see, do you have like um, specific examples of designers that, that were the, the stars of the, the leaders in this, um, in this movement, in the creating geometric jewellery after the more floral, organic shapes of the, the Art Nouveau? Uh, well, yes, there's some of the, um, in, in my opinion, the Art Deco movement is showcased the, the biggest strength in the in the jewelry industry is the, is the golden age, really. So, you know, you would have people, jewelry houses. I'll come on to particular ones in a moment. Ones that were, were very happy to to create pieces at great expense, which far out, outstretched the expense of the the, the centerpiece gem, if you will. Mm. So it's it's a, it's a very artistic movement. Now, the big the big names such as Cartier, Van Cleef, uh, Maubassin, Chaume, all the all of the all the ones you'd expect they. They they really did master this movement, and I mean Cartier for me was, as I think for a lot of people would uh, would really uh, would be sort of num- the number one champions or or the best example to uh, to come to uh, who who use this you know this amazing geometry in their pieces geometry not always but beautiful symmetry as well and uh, and and created fantastic pieces really and th- and these were really very very modern pieces i mean we think of the art deco movements as as a very like a beautiful beautiful eloquent vintage movement uh, but that, that worked that's lasted the test of time but back in 1920s and 1930s this is extremely modern a completely new way of thinking and um and that's quite, that's what i love about it because quite often when it is reused with respect to new jewelry it creates that fresh that fresh feeling um, and and that for me, I think it really was the pinnacle of jewelry design. And Cartier, I mean, in, in thousands of Cartier pieces, you, you and uh, and other big names like them, you'll you'll see this coming across. 
I, I think that's very interesting what you're saying, Guy, about how it's still so such an influence on modern designers. I mean, I, I look at a lot, a lot of contemporary jewelry, and you know, I think the Art Deco inspired uh, tag comes up so much. You know, in the shapes, in the type of stones used, and but nothing beats the the original. I, I would be tempted to say. And how do you see um, the type of pieces that I see in contemporary jewelry that are inspired by Art Deco are very often uh, rings and pendants, um, earrings? Can you tell us from the original? Area what were the big, big styles of jewelry? The big the pieces that were emblematic of this um, of this period. I think really the Art Deco movement has it all. I mean, being as I mentioned, it has having the uh, being the golden age of jewelry manufacture and 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 the joy of wearing jewelry. I think it it expanded it to hugely. So um, obviously you have the you know beautiful um, earrings, necklaces. Um, uh, you know, brooches were, were in every, everything, rings. They obviously all, all appeared. Some of the more delicate jewellery, I mean, corsages and tiaras perhaps um, were uh, sort of fell out a little bit of fashion, but, um, but sort of instead of tiaras, you have bandos and these beautiful, beautiful headpieces. And um, I think people were very adaptable. But what it did, it also opened up with the, I mean, with, with the backdrop to the movement, um, you've, you've got to remember the Art Deco period came after, you know, straight after the World First World War, and uh, pretty much. And you, and it's, it's. I think it's more the it's the social expression or or the expression that people wanted. It, what the feelings that people wanted to express after the First World War that drove this movement, this uh, this freedom to. Um, they wanted to be more liberal. They wanted to live life, and I think they're they very much re- either they knew themselves or their their parents, uh, you know, not far back ago. Knew what what danger was and what um, the, the absolute horrors of war were, and they wanted to enjoy life. And with this, that um, that changed fashion. I mean, what uh, what ladies would uh, dare to wear um, in 1925 to 15 years before was completely different. And obviously, this opened up wearing you know bracelets and pieces of jewelry and on, on on open skin where they may not have seen it before. And it also, but it didn't also do it in a very Art Nouveau, very feminine way. It also drove, opened it up in a, a very stylish, uh, stylish way, which opened up for men as well. It's a, it's not an overly feminine movement because there you have the the beautiful dress sets and cufflinks and gemmed cigarette cases and lighters and that um, could be used by men as well, as well as the ornaments. And you know, the another thing I. You know, thought it's certainly worth mentioning from this era is the is the object. You know, the the picture frames and the clocks again, Cartier, the beautiful mystery clocks. Um, you know, this is all part of uh, part of that movement that that, that sort of is, is, is slightly bigger than jewelry, but it's still in that world. Can, can you tell us a bit more about the mystery clock by by Cartier, which is uh, a real uh, technical achievement on top of being aesthetically uh, so beautiful? Um, can you tell us a bit more? Because I think it's one of the iconic objects from from the the period. Definitely, yeah. So um, it's almost more sculpture than um, than, a, than a clock. And and Cartier were the the masters. They weren't the only the only ones um, creating beautiful timepieces at this time, the mantelpieces and things at that time. But uh, the mystery clock is is something very special. And the movement it will it'll always be something interesting and, and not immediately obvious how how it works or tells the time and um, that's part of the joy of it and then using beautiful materials often 
sort of Asian influence as well. Um, so a lot of, you see a lot of jade, mother of pearl in the in these pieces, um, and they're they're. I think sculpture is probably the the best way to describe uh, describe what they are, but they're extremely iconic. So and, and Cartier Cartier enjoyed using this a lot throughout, you know, with their cigarette cases and mm-hmm. uh, makeup boxes as well and things like this. So uh, yeah, no, it's a very very exciting part of um, uh, of, the, of the Art Deco movement. There's something else that you mentioned about the the desire for to live, to to party, to rejoice after after five horrific um, years of war, and and I think it also affect, obviously affected the way women dressed. As you said, they were showing more skin. The hairs got the hair got cut. The the flapper. You always think of the 1920s as a as a woman with a short hair and the the cigarette case. And um, do you feel that's also something that's um, appealing to who do you see coming into um, Hancock's and looking for for pieces from the 1920s? Do you see women being particularly attracted to to this aesthetic and uh, the history behind the behind it? Um, I actually think it's developed. I think how I think the sort of um, rose tinted nostalgia has changed uh, changed uh, opinions today a little bit differently. I think the beginning of the Art Deco movement was almost rebellious. And uh, these ladies who would, um, at least at the beginning part of the movement, were um, were taking on these new trends and wearing jewelry in different ways and, and different designs, as not not as a, as a strong rebellion on, in any way, but it, but it it was a it it, it certainly was it had a rebellious streak to it. I think the people who are called to Art Deco jewelry, original Art Deco jewelry today, collectors and people wear it are are not necessarily, you know, younger girls in their sort of twenties. And 30s um, who are looking to express re- any rebellious streaks, but who are who are picking on the refined streaks um, uh, and the ele- an elegant feel of, of the Art Deco movement, which it had. Um, but I think that's what makes the movement so interesting because it it was this beautiful you know combination of uh, of different styles that created the Art Deco movement, which um was very off the norm but it, it it just really struck true and it it really i mean for me and i th- and i think for a lot of people um it's it it just really worked it was just it was that perfect pitch mm-hmm. and and therefore it's lasted the test of time but i think it's in different periods of time it's been viewed in different ways um i should i don't know because i wasn't alive in, in the 1960s and early 70s but i should think the view on art deco jewelry then would have been slightly different because it would have been what you know, what mother wore, and uh, things like that. So I think view, um, views on this do do change. But with the Art Deco movement, I think it's it, certainly today it's, it's it's been very very positive, and mm. uh, I think for the most popular modern movement. What do you see as uh, popular pieces in um, in Hancock? Something that always seemed to to uh, appeal to to your clients. Um, so popular piece of Hancock's, I mean. Rings are always very, very popular. Um, sort of a cocktail, cocktail ring um, that will always, will always attract attention. Um, but and things like bracelets, although can can really showcase incredible, um, uh, incredible skill and craftsmanship, aren't quite as wearable today as as they sadly as they um, as they once were. So um, so things like rings can probably get a little bit more practical use out of. Mm. Sometimes I think the more simple, elegant uh, Art Deco uh, necklaces and, uh, and things like that are, are probably 
are actually quite nice because they do they they showcase the movement in a more, in a in a subtle way without being too uh, ostentatious, and they have a very beautiful refined feel to them. Uh, so, so that I think they I think they re- they they really I think that type of jewelry just appeals to people these days uh, most of all. Um, I'd love to say it's the bandeaus and the beautiful long sautoirs, but um, uh, and even the full dress sets, which are, are more co- for men, which are more collectible than than purchased to wear. Can you tell us what, what a dress set? Uh, so um, a dress set uh, would be studs for for a gentleman who's wearing uh, going uh, wearing black tie or white tie. They would obviously have uh, they could have they replace their buttons with with gem, uh, with diamonds or sapphire studded uh, dress studs for their shirt and for their waistcoat um, and cufflinks, of course. So unless this would, uh, and uh, you, you'd, I mean, this was a, this wasn't a, 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 an article invented by the Art Deco movement, but um, it was certainly more popularised by, uh, by the movement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they were, they, you get some very flamboyant, uh, flamboyant stars. We have a beautiful set at the moment of sapphire and diamond uh, 1930s dress set by Boucheron, and uh, I, I mean, I, I, I just wish I could find an excuse to uh, to wear them. But unfortunately, I don't wear black tie as often as they might have done it back in those days. <laughs> that's um, because we uh, that, that's interesting because the styles travel. Obviously, the you know people had different social commitments, and uh, maybe the um, the social engagements were not as structured that they were during the Edwardian areas where you had to change the jewelry and the clothes you were wearing during the day. I think there was something a bit more a bit more free in the 1920s that it's uh, but it's nice to see men wearing this type of jewelry again. So um I, we we see a lot of men actually being very interested in in getting this uh, collectors items. So that's uh, is do, how many gentlemen do you see inquiring about Art Deco? I mean, we certainly do see a quite a, quite a few. I mean, I think I think once an interest has been displayed in jewelry and in the, in the craftsmanship and the beauty of jewelry, whether that is as a collector or or as somebody who wishes to wear it, it doesn't matter what your thoughts are of Art Deco. That you have to t- you have to pay, take notice of it because it's had such a such an influence on jewelry today, um, and it's. And it's obviously very relevant. Um, that you know, the build-up to Art Deco is very, uh, very relevant. So it has to take note. So we do when collectors come in, even if their aim is not for Art Deco pieces, they will very often have huge appreciation for them. Um, and if it's, I mean, I mean, the, the gentlemen who are looking for, say, cufflinks, maybe not full dress sets, very, very often they will specifically ask if we had any um, uh, Art Deco cufflinks. Mm. That's very interesting. You see. I would like to have your opinion on that because um, when I see contemporary jewellery being inspired by Art Deco um, styles and lines, it's very often the geometric, the sleek lines. We don't see as many. Um, there was a whole revival of uh, um, this Egyptomania after 1922 when the, the tomb was discovered in Egypt, but, um, the tomb of Tutankhamun. What, can you tell us a bit more about this specific um, influence of... Uh, of Egypt and also of India, especially on the, on the Cartier pieces, because it seems like this is really typically Art Deco, but hasn't been has. That's why it makes a difference between the the contemporary jewelry with the geometric lines and something that's very you only find in the authentic pieces in the the ones from the, the original times. Absolutely, yes. I mean, 
So the, the sort of the Egyptian influence after the discovery of the Tutankhamun tomb is is again it's quite it, it's it's quite refreshing to see that um, you know they didn't break all the rules um, in the Art Deco movement. Uh, the Victorians obviously had a you know, huge um, interest in archaeological revival jewelry, and um, you, you see see a lot of that uh, that influence coming uh, coming that movement in the mid nineteenth century and the late nineteenth century. So when um, when that appeared in in the Art Deco movement, it's, it's it's done in a completely new way, and you know the the, the use of this sort of um, scarabs and uh, uh, carved carved gems was uh, was fantastic. And you see, you see, you mentioned India, obviously Cartier, Jacques Cartier went over to India, and um, I think believe I believe himself sought through all the um, all these beautiful carved emeralds and sapphires and rubies, not, not all of you know incredibly high standard. I mean, I mean, obviously a lot of them were, but um, it's, it was it's the fascination in in that in, in that completely new movement to uh, um, it, to to those kind of pieces and, and jewelry to them that sort of intrigued him, and then he would come back and create pieces such as tutti frutti pieces, um, pretty much completely made up of, uh, of those kind of items. The and then the, the I mean the fur, the further influence of of the Egyptians was after Tutankhamun that that re sparked interest. It's, it's wonderful as well, and um, but they they displayed it in a completely different way, of course. And again, you do actually see some of that in in, in all aspects of um, of our deco jewelry. What I mean by that is you see them in in the clocks, and you see them in the necklaces and, and necklaces and rings and everything. So uh, so it's um, it's it's an interesting aspect to it, and it, it doesn't have any of the uh, of the geometry or or symmetry that you might expect else, elsewhere. Um, but it is expressing it in a completely new way. Well, you mentioned one of the iconic stars from the from the period that I think is also a Cartier innovation, Tutti Frutti. Um, can you can you explain to our listeners a bit what was the style and what the characteristic of the jewelry from from the from this? So the Tutti Frutti um, pieces by Cartier they um, they consisted of the of these lovely carved. Sapphires, emeralds, rubies—they um, had obviously not. They had uh, faster diamonds in them as well, oft, most oh, quite often. And um, uh, you'd see these mostly bracelets, um, I mean, very, very collectible. And I mean, we had a beautiful Tutti Frutti bracelet just a few years ago, which I well, wish we still had. And um, these were all sorts of carved, carved gems put together in in a seemingly asymmetrical way. Um, and and created these these wonderful pieces. I mean, it's extremely colourful. And I mean, the, t- the term tutti frutti, I think, sums it up better than any other uh, sort of item of the era, really, because it's exactly what it sounds like. And I remember when I first started, and when I first came into the family business, and had my father mentioned that he was buying a tutti frutti bracelet. I thought I thought he was going tutti frutti. I didn't realise it was a real <laughs> a real term. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but it, it really does. It's 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 really fun. It's a really it's a really fun, beautiful piece. It's got all that color and texture with the carved gems, and so it, it's it's very engaging jewelry. Um, now, I mean, now they've they've come to you know be one of the most collectible Cartier pieces that there are, because it it, I mean, the, the skill to to curate those stones, to have them made and put them all together to make these beautiful flowing pieces is. Is not immediately obvious, really, when you look at it from a distance. But um, I mean, the skill is incredible, and it's uh, very, very—you know—it's it's as iconic as 
almost as the panther is to Cartier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And is it difficult to, to, as an estate jury dealer, is it difficult to source um, pieces like tutti frutti pieces, but more general from from Art Deco? Is it are people actually, give, I mean, selling them, or is it is there going to be a shortage as they become more popular? Yeah, they've. I mean, the, be, be becoming uh, the, the more collectible, collectible the items, yes, the, the harder they are to get, and the fewer come to the market. And so, yes, no, they're certainly harder to buy. And um, auction prices have obviously. Have, have thrown the prices up hugely as well. So whereas you may may have had a chance to buy one at a at a at a reasonable level auction sort of some years ago, I mean now you know the auction is where uh, they, they get these world record prices. So um, mm-hmm. so really you need to be to be buying them privately, which we do we do from time to time, but it is certainly harder and harder to find. Um, uh, certainly harder to find than it used to be. Uh, to find these very very rare collectible pieces, um, especially ones with with a with a theme like that, um, so yeah, no, it, it 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 is it is it is tough, um, and also we often seek out ones with with provenance as well, and the, a lot of the important pieces that we see as important pieces now still will have been important pieces then, and quite often that goes hand in hand with provenance, and uh, uh, you know perhaps owned by a person of note. So there is something we we like to we like to buy. And talking about um, the rare items, which one has been in your career at Hancock's London the the most exceptional art deco piece you've you've been lucky to to deal to to get in and to to sell? So, well, that's a that's a difficult question because obviously art deco is a very large part of our uh, uh, of our of our stock and. I would say, um, oh, that's very that's very difficult. Also, I don't normally like saying things that <laughs> mentioning items that we don't currently own. But there's um, beautiful uh, one one piece that I always think of when it uh, someone says Art Deco. So it's beautiful, um, very early 1930s uh, diamond and sapphire um, Mobison, the sort of buckle bracelet. We and we had it for a bit of we had it for a few months and. It was very well priced in this, but it didn't immediately sell, and I didn't really understand it at the time because it was probably one of the most beautiful pieces I'd ever, I'd ever seen, and, and I remember it very vividly. And it was made up of beautiful sort of, uh, of uh, French cut square French cut diamonds, and and, uh, and sort of buff top sapphires, so sort of ca- you know cabochon uh, polished sapphires intermittently, and then running into sort of a, into a, a non symmetrical shape, and it was. One of the most beautiful pieces, and I'd ever seen, and I'd probably say that was that was probably my my favourite Art Deco piece, even even though it was, it was quite classic, it's very classic um, Art Deco. Uh, so yeah, I'd say I'd say that one. <laughs> but he found he found a buyer after a few months, ultimately. Oh yeah, of course it did. It, it, it certainly did find a buyer. But I mean, that's I think I've I've always been drawn to a very that that lovely sapphire and diamond combination, which again is is something. I mean, it's on a very basic level of Art Deco beauty, but it's, uh, it's, albeit it's a very Art Deco feature. We had such, you gave us such a great overview and um, into the movement, into the style. So um, um, thank you so much, Guy. I think there's, uh, there's been, I hope for, for you and for our listeners, an interesting experience. Thank you. Yeah. I think for, for people who are coming into jewellery, who are a bit new, that I, I hope they, they learned about um, how to recognise an Art Deco piece and how to appreciate the beauty and the, the unique features of, of the movement. 
Now, tell us, what would be your advice to, to people who want to collect, um, to wear, all deco jewelry? What, what would be, as, a, as someone who has your experience and your, and your knowledge? What I would say is, if I, as a, for new collectors who want to wish to buy art deco jewelry, is a first of all, if, uh, if if budget allows it, I would look at some of the big the big jewelry houses, the names. I mean, with that such as such as Cartier and Van Cleef and Mobison and and, and, dozen, and dozens more. Um, if I, I would look to uh, look to them because they really did have the the finest craftsmen of of, uh, of the era, and arguably some of the finest craftsmen of any era. So um, I would look to them. However, there's beautiful Art Deco jewelry out there that is, that is unsigned or, or by um, you know less famous makers. And looking at those pieces, I would first of all, I trust your eye. Whatever item of jewelry is, trust your eye to for the for the for the beauty. You have to love the the piece and the elegance of it. And then confirm that by turning the piece over and looking at the back and looking at the quality of its craftsmanship because um, it's got to look beautiful. Beautiful from the uh, back and and from inside and outside, and um, the, the manufacture of it is 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 vital for it to hold value, um, and to to be able to be worn. Fantastic! Look at the back of the piece of jewelry. That's I think a, a great advice for for any uh, collector actually to to see how beautiful the, ev the every single angle is of a of a piece of jewelry. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, Guy. Really, really appreciate um, everything you've shared with us today. Um, I hope our listeners will also enjoy it. And uh, we'll share the detail of Ancock's London on at the end of the podcast uh, so people can have a, a better idea of what we're offering. And um, obviously also on social media. We, uh, we hope they follow you, uh, your account. Every month, I know you share um, the piece of the month, we, which we usually try to, to show on Rappaport Magazine on our Instagram. So they're always beautifully curated um, pieces. So we'll share all this. And um, thank you so much, Guy. I wish you a good day. And uh, Will, if you have anything else that you'd like to, to add, uh, we, please tell us. Uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure talking about the Art Deco movement, and uh, it's, it's always enjoyable to, uh, especially at times like these, to to talk about the beauty of the movement and and the reasoning behind it. And uh, um, and I always think it's it's interesting, it, very interesting to think about the the social history behind each each movement and jewelry. And uh, I think the I think the Art Deco time, the nineteen twenty, the Roaring Twenties, is a uh, is a very nice era to think of right now. And uh, very fun era and I'm sure a lot of people around the world are looking forward to celebrating once the world is in a slightly better place to now so it's very apt oh absolutely absolutely I think the we will appreciate the term roaring 20s again when we all out out and about again <laughs> in safety and health hopefully yeah thank you so much guy for your time today um, I wish you well and uh, we'll um, conclude this podcast Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us at the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. If you enjoyed this and would like more top quality jewelry content, check out the Jewelry Connoisseur blog, jewelryconnoisseur.net.